That was great. I feel like this haze, it's like Super Bowl halftime just ended and now we're back out onto the field. It is great to worship together here this morning. What a privilege. We are going to kick off week number one of a three-week teaching series in the book of Psalms. And the bottom line for all three of these teachings is, is this. The ribbon that goes through all the teachings is that God is interested in you. Don't take this lightly. God, the maker and creator of everything, is interested in you, in your true thoughts, in your feelings. But we, on the other hand, feel like we've kind of got to be reserved about our feelings. Like when you walk through the door today and someone asks you how you're doing, you say, good, fine, right? Because even if you had a bad ride in the car on the way over to church, you weren't going to tell anyone that you had a bad day. Or even if you're feeling super might be a little weird for someone on the receiving end of that. So we try to be all buttoned up and tell people that we're good and we're fine. But it shouldn't be that way with God. And it's not that way with God. He is interested in you, in your every thought and your every feeling, and He wants to hear from you. And so the Psalms, the Psalms are great illustrations of this. All throughout, the collection of authors talk to God about how they're really feeling. They question God and ask Him, why? Why have you allowed this? They ask God for protection or guidance or they share, they write out the wisdom that they have received from the Lord and they offer praise. And so this morning, we are going to give our focus to how God is interested in your family. And I will say this is more in the wheelhouse for families with, with kids at home. But if you don't have kids yet, you can still you can still, from this message, I hope, learn what, what it will take, the blueprint for building a family. Or if your kids have already been sent out and they're growing up and they're away from the house, don't lose hope. I hope that it's, it's my desire that you can see how th- this would allow you to partner with your sons and daughters in raising up the next generation. So, Liz and, Liz and me, we're, we're, you know, my wife, we are the oldest in each one of our families. I'm the oldest of four, she's the oldest of two, and when two of the oldest children meet and get married, they bring their ornery, stubborn, do it my way or the highway-ness together and kind of butt heads sometimes, which is both good and gives us some struggles too, but, but one thing that we've been on the same page with has been raising up kids who are aware that they're achieving independence. That when they turn 18, as our culture says, and, and graduate high school and go out into the world, that they know mom and dad aren't going to be there all the time to cover the bases. And you've got to be able to do some things on your own. I remember when I was young, my dad telling me that really clear. I'd gotten in trouble. He gave me one of those dad talks. There's one that, that I think that I'm so good at right now, but remember back to when I was a kid and it's like, oh, it's another dad talk. But this dad talk was different because he said, Ben, and his tone of voice changed. He said, Ben, I have six years to teach you how to become a man. And there was something like, can we make that six days like I'm ready to go, you know? And then there was another part like, scared. There's going to be a day where I'm out and independent alone. And it helped me learn what my parents were doing and how they were raising me and what I needed to learn, that there were some things that I still did need to learn and talk about. And Liz and I aren't special in this. We aren't the only ones who are raising kids to be independent. We are in this together. We all do it as parents. We have independence milestones, like potty training 
Aren't you glad that you're potty trained and that mom and dad don't need to wipe your butt anymore? And if you're sitting next to a kid who's not potty trained, that stinks. But keep up the good fight. Doing your own homework is another milestone. That, hey, you know what you need to do and you got to have the discipline to do it. That's an independence milestone. Learning how to drive a car is another independence milestone. And so, but there are, there are certain things, there are certain things that I've got to caution you should not be viewed through the lens of independence. To be clear, in one sentence, what I am saying is this. There are certain projects where DIY does not apply. Where you should not expect your kids to to go about it and achieve independence and just be it on their own. That there are just some certain things where you need to be active, engaged, and walking along with them. And and, And the Bible lays it out pretty clear. And if... If we're not aware of this, then there can be some crucial, tough consequences of it. And it doesn't matter how many kids you have, what gender your kids are, what, what ages they seem to be. If, if it's your first marriage, second marriage, third, or if you're a single parent raising kids, the, the principle is the same and we've got to understand it. The good news is it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible, and I want you to grab a Bible. Grab one from the pew. The page numbers are on the screen. If you brought your own Bible, you can use that. If you prefer a phone Bible application, feel free to use that one as well. The bulletin has the psalm printed inside it, and the words are also going to be on the screen, but don't underestimate the power of opening up and reading God's Word right in your own hands. Now before we go on any further in the message, I do have to say that if you're not a Christian, if you don't follow Jesus, then you get to take the rest of the message and put it in your advice folder. You get to pick and choose what you want to use, that's okay. But I would ask that you read Psalm 127 with us, because don't, do not use the excuse that you don't want to read the Bible because you don't think it's true. That's not a good excuse. You read many things that are not true. Gossip magazines, websites, sports rumors, you know, the, the opinion page. So you can read the Bible even if you don't think it's true. Now, if, if you are a Christian, if you do follow Jesus, then, then what we're going to read, I mean, it, it convicted me. It made me take a step back and really think about how I'm doing as a husband and as a dad. And, and, and right along with that, if, if that's how it, you respond to it, I've been praying for you all week that you could maybe feel convicted, but then also that God's grace and God's love is right alongside that and know that this can be a fresh beginning for you to not lose hope. So let's dive in to verse number one. Unless the Lord builds the house... The builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. To be clear, what this is saying is, if the Lord isn't at the foundation of what you're doing in your home, if the Lord does not have an active part in what you are doing in your home, then your work is in vain. It's worthless. You work too hard as a parent for your work to be in vain. 
Now, just a little insight on what this would have read like for people in Bible times in the New Testament when they're reading this. They would read and also have an insight that we don't really have today. They would read and see when it talks about watching over the city, that the city of Jerusalem... This is saying the city of Jerusalem isn't protected by some magical walls, but that it depends on the Lord for protection. I love that. That's a great reminder. Continuing on to verse 2. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, but he grants sleep to those he loves. God is not against human effort. In fact, your hard work can bring honor and glory to God. But if your hard work is to the point where you're neglecting your sleep, and you can't leave the office because you don't think, you think if you don't get this thing done, the world's going to crash, and you're not going to sleep, and you're not spending time with your family, you may actually have to hit the pause button and ask, is this hard work bringing glory to God, or is it a cover-up for a lack of trust in God to meet the need? And that's a brutal question that that you're going to have to look in the mirror and ask. I'm not making an accusation, but I am saying that we must realize that, that there needs to be a healthy rhythm between the work we do and how we trust the Lord in times of rest and, time, and how, we, how we sleep. Verse 3 continues on. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him, like arrows in the hands of warrior are children born in one's youth. Too often children are, seen, children are seen as liabilities rather than assets. Their questions sometimes a drag instead of a launching point into a deeper conversation. And like arrows in the hands of someone who knows how to use them, a mighty warrior, man, that is protection and safety right there. That's, that's exciting stuff. And, and children are given to you in your youth so that way then you can, you're in your your glory years that you can put all the energy that you have into growing them up so then that way, you know, when you age out, they might return the favor. Why do you think Liz and I have seven kids? We're ornery people. We're going to need a lot of help when we age out. But children are a blessing from the Lord. And verse 5 continues, Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Children are like arrows and when they're in hand they can be shaped to hit the bullseye and directed in that way but once the arrows have gone out of hand you have lost the opportunity to shape and direct them it's the arrows in hand that are the responsibility to hit the bullseye and the bullseye is to have a generation who is focused on serving the lord with actions and words and so what does this stir in you? Is there any discontent inside? I hope you could read verse 1 again sometime today. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. I've said it already. Your work is too hard to be in vain. The Lord must be a part of what you are doing. Your parent... As parents, your kids are held accountable to you. You make that known if they, you know, and they feel it. But your kids need to know that you are also accountable to God. They need to see that. If you're a Christian, they need to know why 
you're a Christian. If you follow Jesus, how did you learn about Jesus? We cannot expect our kids, the next generation, to grow up and learn and become followers and servants of Christ by letting them do it on their own. There are certain projects where DIY does not apply and we must recognize this and invite the Lord into what we are doing and building our family so that it will last. You have the opportunity. There will be a day where your children will no longer be sons and daughters, but brothers and sisters in Christ. And that hinges on, it starts with you and other key adults in our community to help have these faith conversations. And if your guard just went up and you're like, Ben, I know you're talking about family time and reading the Bible together and we've tried that and it's not going to work and we've got other things going on you don't understand our situation, like... You're right, I don't understand everyone's situation. But I would ask, hey, this is important stuff. I have three practical tips to help you. Maybe claim some family time and, and interject faith conversations into your home. And the first is this, consider changing the structure of a family time. Maybe, maybe uh, reading the Bible together feels a little bit hollow because, well... Your family doesn't get together regularly. And so then, why would you expect the one time where you do get together in a room, opening the Bible and saying, why would that all of a sudden go well? It, it just might not. So if you are a family that is going fast and spread out and not necessarily coming around the table to eat a meal on a regular basis or, or, or sit in a room without the TV on or, or internet buzzing, then maybe you, you consider changing the structure. I'm not saying you need to sit down here and read through the entire book of Leviticus in one sitting. Maybe change the structure of your family time. Sit down and have fun together. Get used to a few times of just sitting down, just play a game, have fun together, get used to each other and in an enjoyable time. And then from there you can take the next step to inserting faith conversations. Or maybe you need to change the structure in a way that I've certainly had to, where I have the desire to, to sit down and read the Bible with my kids, but I'm too distracted. Too distracted by what I've got going on at work, too distracted trying to figure out how to be a good husband, and, and too distracted with trying to get all the kids' work done, and wanting to watch the game, and, and, and with my phone on Twitter, and Instagram, and all these other things. It's like, there's many distractions. So a physical change of the structure could help where you just take your phone out of your pocket, push that scary, scary button. It's called off. And set it in the drawer for two hours when you get home from work. It's hard to do, I know. But hey, have faith that the Lord could provide. And this change of, that change of structure could help you in getting the family together. You can also leverage the power of social influence. Whether you want to admit it or not, whether you realize it or not, people around you help you make decisions. They help you make the decisions you make. Like in the moment, you're like, no, I made that decision on my own. But then it's like, uh, actually, the reason I had purple hair in junior high was because all my friends were doing it, <laughs> you know? People around you help you make decisions and you can choose to actually leverage that. Kids, this is especially for you. Because you have influence in your family. 
Before we had gone on the trip for the second adoption, I had this great idea, like, we're going to have family Bible time, and we're going to get the kids together, and we're going to read the Bible. Now, do not be misled. Bible time was nothing special. It was five, maybe ten minutes, sometimes ending in an argument, but we would pray, and, and we would grab the Bibles, and, and the kids in elementary school know how to read, so I'd have them read a verse. And we'd go around a circle reading a verse at a time. We'd get through maybe four, six, maybe eight verses in Matthew and stop. And, uh, and that was our Bible time. And, and I actually, I enjoyed the time but fell off the wagon of it. You know, like there's games and one watching TV. There's other things I got to go and do. And it had been a, a week or two before we, since we had gotten together. And, and Veronica says to me, Dad, are we going to do Bible time again? Yeah. Yeah, we, we probably should. Did, did you like it? Okay, yeah, we probably should. And in a totally separate conversation, the boys were reading their Bibles and they said, Dad, or they had their Bibles open, Dad, we still have our bookmarks in Matthew. We really want to read through Matthew. Are we going to do that again? And without even knowing it, the kids were leveraging the power of social influence and helping me, their father, make a good decision. So you, you can ignore it, you can say that it's not there, or you could choose to leverage that and use your, your words to help make good decisions in your, in your family. You can also set many goals. Here, another trap sometimes is to say, we're going to read the Bible for 30 days in a row. Here we go. But then what happens is you miss a day and then you feel like you got to do a double portion the next day or you have a long weekend and then you're like, well, that's going to be a long Bible time on Monday and it just, just leaves you feel defeated. So if you need a frequency goal, maybe at lunch today, find one time this week where you just say on the calendar, this is where we're going to have family time and carve out 15 minutes and, and set that mini goal. Hey, we're going to do it this week. And, and when you achieve that, it's going to feel great. So another mini goal, some of you may be a little bit scared of the big Bible. You didn't grow up in the church and you're not that comfortable with the stories. You don't know where they're at. A mini goal could be in exchanging this for, for a children's Bible for the time and reading the Bible stories from a children's Bible perspective. We love the Jesus Storybook Bible in our home and sit down for it to listen to its stories and has great illustrations as well. And a cool thing is, if, if a story would pique your interest or you want to learn more about it, Right here, underneath the title of the story is the scripture reference. And you could go to the Bible and get the full, unedited story. I mean, do you really, really know how David and Goliath ends? I will not spoil it for you, but it's a good one. Your boys will love it. So you can, you can change the structure. You can use the power of social influence. Leverage that. Where you can set many goals. These are three practical tips to help you understand. Remember why. This is not just simply because they said so at the church service. This is because there are things where DIY does not apply and we must have the Lord at the foundation and a part of what we are building in our homes. I've had the privilege of looking out at many families this morning. Take a minute. Look around yourself to the left and to the right, in front of you, behind you. This is a community of people who, who are working hard. And what would it look like if we were committed to helping raise families 
for Christ so that the next generation can have an impact for the one who saves. That is someone, something that I want to be a part of. And it is exciting, exciting stuff. If I went too fast through something today or you want to hear it again, or maybe there's someone who's not here that you think would benefit from this message, orchardhillchurch.org and the media center. You'll be able to access it and listen to the audio. Let me say a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for preserving your word for thousands of years that's still alive today. That we can take a chapter, Psalm 127, and read it with fresh eyes. Thank you that that you love us all the time, no matter what. I ask for grace for the, the parent that might be feeling discouraged right now. To offer the grace and, and understanding and desire of having you at the foundation of a home. We're together... We're going to pray the prayer that Jesus, your son, taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus Christ did come to earth, live as you and I live in a body, and then he died on a cross so that we may be forgiven and have eternity in heaven. Let's sing this song together.